This is Champagne Divorce Party, where we talk to inspiring women who have turned their divorce into the best thing that ever happened to them. We're your hosts. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Gillian. We're best friends who have not only survived brutal divorces ourselves, but thrived in our lives post-divorce. And now we run Champagne Divorce Club, where we help women navigate their separation, heal their hearts, and transform their lives. Today we're joined by Susan Jarvis. Susan says she has gone through an incredible transformation since her divorce, thanks to a resolution to push herself out of her comfort zone. She went to university at the age of 39, performed at a stand-up comedy gig, packed up her home of 20 years and moved 1,500 kilometres to a new city, attended and participated in a sex party, explored her bisexuality and lived in an open relationship. We're really excited to hear about this amazing journey from the woman herself. Welcome, Susan. Thank you very much. And gee, I should all put that on my CV. You should. I think, yeah, you, you, you might have a book coming. Well, there's a book. Don't you worry about that. It's in my head and my heart and my clitoris. <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay, let's start at the beginning. Um, can you tell us a little bit first about yourself and when you first got married? You know, how old were you and what did you expect from marriage, I guess? Okay, well, I was the young age of 23 and I had met this gentleman who was eight years older than I was. He was 30, 31. We'd been together three months and I fell pregnant. So I hadn't actually planned on getting married and um, went into it with some reluctance initially but then I made that commitment, this is best for my child and my family was happy. Um, I guess you... You get that social conditioning for getting married and having a house and three kids and a dog and a cat and that social conditioning. So I just went along with it at that time. Um, There was a bit of conflict in that first 12 months because he seemed to think that I was going to do all his washing and ironing. (laughs) And um, I wasn't brought up like that. My mum had five children and my mum and dad they worked as a team and, you know, if she cooked, he washed up. We were dry. If um, she did the washing and hung out the washing, he would bring it back. He'd take it off the line and fold it and then call us kids to put it away. So I uh, remember that was our probably our first clash was that I wasn't uh, washing and ironing his chef coats. you must have still been very much getting to know each other as well at that point yes we were and I knew within by the end of that 12 months that um this wasn't the best situation for me personally and I guess I've buried that time so much because I really can't remember what my decision was but I think I just decided well I've made my bed I'm going to lie in it. And um, there were some good times. We, we did enjoy, you know, going on um, picnics and mostly fishing. That was his main hobby, hobby and focus was fishing. But he also drank quite a bit of alcohol and not aggressively. He wasn't an aggressive alcoholic in any way. He wasn't uh, abusive verbally. Um, but yes, alcohol was his key focus and smoking as well at that mm-hmm. time. So it wasn't easy. I felt like I was um, a single parent inside a marriage for a very long time. 
and then uh, I guess it culminated for many years until um, when my daughter was 14, I decided uh, that was enough and I ha- and I chose to end the marriage. And so at that point, the, the kind of wife that you were then in that marriage must have been quite different to the wife that you thought you would be. Had you, do you think that you'd changed to try to fit that mould? Oh, definitely. Um, I changed for a little bit and then I thought, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really just focused on being a mother to our daughter and put her needs first. And so um, my ex-husband, who recently sadly passed away after a very long illness, we we actually lived separate lives in our marriage for a very long time. Uh, he worked at night as a chef and I was there during the day, so we were like two ships passing in the night, and I think that actually added to the length of the marriage. Mm. We did split up when uh, my daughter was about four and a half, five. I, the, there had been an incident and I my sister said, just come home. And so I, I went home for a couple of weeks and I did leave at very short notice. I didn't tell him I was going. I went and saw a lawyer to get some advice and he basically said, just pack up everything that is absolutely crucial to you and put that somewhere. And I, I took my car and I hid it at a friend's house and then flew back to my family home and... Um, it didn't actually change much. We, we had a separation for about three or four months at that time and um, we came, we did re- come back, but that was basically a bit of emotional blackmail, mm. which I won't go into, but um, he came back and then we were together for another s- eight years after that. But um, mm-hmm. I was very much on my own in that marriage. And there's nothing more lonely than being alone inside a marriage. I feel yeah. for if any woman who's listening to this, if that's your situation, I, I feel for you and uh, it might be time to um, to do something to change that. Whether you reconnect with your partner or your husband or you make that decision to leave. Mm. So when you did make that decision to end things, you know, obviously that's always going to be a tough, tough decision. How, how was that at the time? Well, it didn't happen overnight. It started with a postcard from my dear friend. Um, she wrote to me to say, I'm so scared that you're going to die because at that point in my life I weighed 165 kilograms Mm-hmm. And if you look at photographs of me at that time, I'd you wouldn't recognise me to the woman I am today. So that really was um, a, a big catalyst, that, that dawning. Yes, my sadness and misery is connected to the current state of my life. And I can actually pinpoint the day when um, it crystallised in my head, and that was the 24th of March, 2005. There was a, um, I just read the daily star signs in the local paper, and it basically all summed it up in a nutshell, that that was a change in my life was required, 
and to move forward. And then it was July that year that I told my husband that um, I wanted a divorce and the marriage was over and that there was no, there was nothing that he could say or do to bring it back. Um, and when that happened, Jill and Carolyn, my father had been with us for two weeks. We'd, we were actually going in the process of selling our house at that time. And um, I wrote Dad a letter to tell him uh, what was going to happen. And we put him back on the train that night. I said, Dad, please read this letter on the train when you leave. And it was telling Dad about my decision to end the marriage and to just please, if the family could just please support both of us in a positive way and not take sides. So I remember speaking, my dad, he passed away 15 years ago from lung cancer. I remember talking to him the next day and and I was really worried about being judged because mum and dad, you know, they were married for over 40 years, very traditional conservative people, just, you know, great work ethic, hard workers, looked after their family. And um, and I was the first person in the family to be div- divorced. And uh, he, I just remember him saying, you're a strong woman, Suze, you'll be fine. So, um, yeah, I just feel a little bit sad recalling all that. Yeah, that's a lot. It sounds like a lovely man. That sounds exactly what yeah, you need. Dad, look, Dad was my shelter in my life. Mm. And that was my antagonist. Sorry. <laughs> I'm um, with my mum. And so, I mean, that was a really that was a really brave thing to do to sort of put yourself out there to your family and say, this is what I need from you. Which, you know, a lot of us, I think a lot of women find it hard to articulate, you know, what they need or, or um, so that's, that's really amazing that you're able to do that. Um, can you talk us through those early days after you made that break? Um, how how were you coping? Were you, were you happy? Were you sad? What? How did you take care of yourself at that time? I wish your audience could see the look on my face. <laughs> we can. <laughs> Seriously, I when I made the decision to on that day to tell him, uh, I had already started to put in my changes in place. I had started to lose weight by walking around the block that was that was a mammoth, mammoth effort to do that at 165 kilos your body's doing the work of or your heart's doing the work of three people almost mm. and um i eventually got up to walking 45 minutes a day i went to the gym three three times a week and i was in the pool i'm hopeless at freestyle i can't i can't do the breathing but i use a snorkel and, and so I was doing um, one and a half Ks in the pool a few times a week and had this um, mindset of changing every aspect of my life, such as my um, emotional spirits, my um, self-awareness and emotional intelligence, my cultural um, knowledge, um, my social circles, um, just absolutely, oh, and fashion, hair and makeup. Uh, look, I was a, a real dag during my marriage. I didn't give two hoots about the way I looked. I didn't wear a bra. I didn't have nice underwear. 
and uh, I just wanted to change everything. And it just so happened that that period of my life, it was in the July that I told my husband the marriage was over. The next month, my father was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer and I ended up going back home to help mum and the family nurse dad. And dad died um, just after Christmas that year. And then in 2006 of March, 2006, I was made redundant. Uh, I've been working. I'd, were you going to go, oh, no. <laughs> no, it was the best thing ever. I was working for a large, very large telecommunications company. I'm sure you can work out which one. <laughs> I started there when I was 17 and a half, so I had 21 years. So with that money, I was just so excited. That was my change. The house had sold. Um, my ex had declared bankruptcy from his um, business so I lost a lot of the money from the house, but that redundancy package put me through university and allowed me to not work for, you know, a good 12, 18 months. And, um, oh, I think I've lost track. Where was I going with this? Sorry, ladies. <laughs> uh, just about how you were taking care of yourself at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whether you were happy or sad, but I think we're starting to get the picture that you were pretty yeah, happy. Look, <laughs> I actually started a blog. I called it um, Spaceship Rediscovery and um, I've got it somewhere saved and that's going to be the part of my um, book. But it's got my, um, it documents my awakening of my spirit during mm. that time. And I can remember a moment where I was at the lights and um, it just dawned on me that everything that I had hoped for had come true. Um, a year after the marriage ended, a, a lover came into my life um, and I had been celibate for four years. Mm -hmm. Three years. The last three years of the marriage were spent living in separate bedrooms and I decided to remain celibate for at least 12 months post-divorce because I just I needed to sort so much out in my head and my heart. And this um, much younger guy, he was seven years younger than me, uh, came into my life and we ended up being together for seven years mm. um, and um, yeah so to experience everything I needed to experience and when I look back at that relationship he was a beautiful bogan <laughs> <laughs> great great in the bedroom great kisser you know ticked all the boxes with attractiveness but I knew, and like we were, we got engaged as well informally. There was never a ring, but there was an announcement. I, I knew after two years, I, th I think I was on the wrong path because we had the most incredible heart and he was a, um, a mechanical savant, but he's on the spectrum as well and he wanted to live his life on the couch watching television and I just couldn't do that I did that a lot in my marriage I wasn't going to do it again mm. and um and so again in 2013 that relationship came to an end after a very long and drawn out I guess you know flopping about like a fish out of water <laughs> yep yeah and um 
And then I was single again for about 18 months, nearly two years before I met my gorgeous fiancé. Mm. We've been together uh, about six years now. Mm. Oh, that's I love all, hearing all of that. Um, it it does segue quite well because we did want to talk about getting into a bit of the fun stuff. And you've said, um, you know how important it was to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, why why has that been important to you? And you know what do you think was the first thing that pushed you out of your comfort zone was it uni or you know what was sort of the big one okay well before I went to uni um I had been working on my shyness because believe it or not I am shy I much prefer the company of animals (laughs) I consider myself a gregarious hermit (laughs) <laughs> and if I you don't know that. what that is <laughs> if you don't know what it is look up each word individually <laughs> and then put them together um so before actually even before the marriage ended I started to practice speaking to people by offering a compliment when it was deserved and just to check out chicks like kids that they're saying to them, look, thanks very much for smiling at me so sincerely. You've made my day. Or I really appreciate how quickly you got me through the checkouts. And I just kept doing that because I would always be really nervous to speak up. And then I um, escalated up to asking just simple things like going up to the checkout controller at Coles and saying, there's heaps of people here and it's really, really busy. Could you please open another checkout? <laughs> and then having someone behind me say, oh, God, thank you so much for asking. So this practising very small, minor interactions mm-hmm. with other people really started me to, um, you know, break out of my, and I really believe it's social conditioning and a little bit of personality and a little bit of, your own DNA and nurturing and things like that. So I had actually put together a bit of a list about things that I wanted to do. Ah, okay. okay. And one of them was I had always been attracted to women, but I'd never been with a woman before. And I have this philosophy or this attitude that I don't want to die and be on my deathbed regretting that I never tried anything. Yeah. So I have put myself out there. And can I just share a funny story about coincidence? (laughs) Please do. (laughs) It's a small, small world. The second lady that I met for a date and to come over for a play, (laughs) turns out in year eight we were on the same high school camp in (laughs) the Because I was friends with a boy from the same high school who was their school captain, and she said, I was at that camp. (laughs) So we would have met because, you know, we we all hung out. Um, So like, bloody hell. So um, anyway, it's a small world. Do you do your necessary Google stalking before you with <laughs> due <someone>? diligence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and on that, can I just talk to about um, dating 
with STIs, okay? Mm. This is yep. really important. I've recently come out publicly and shared that I now live with um, HSV2. Mm-hmm. And HSV2, for those who are not au fait with it, stands for herpes simplex virus. There's two types of herpes, the cold sores that you get on the mouth and the cold sores that you get on your genitals. So I've got the two version. Mm-hmm. So if you're dating after divorce, please, you must educate yourself around sexually transmitted infections. I can't stress that enough. Don't go into it blind. You, yeah. One in eight people live with herpes, okay? Now, herpes is not, um, there shouldn't be any stigma around this either. Like when I first found out, I was about, um, it was back in 2013 after the, my last relationship and I was poised to come to Brisbane and, and change my life. I was just wanted something really bigger than I had previously. And when I was diagnosed, I was crushed. I was absolutely gutted. And if it wasn't for my dear girlfriend, Jackie, who said, it's not a death sentence, and it's not. Yeah. So don't be scared to explore. Don't be scared to go and get tested and educate and arm yourself with knowledge about how you can protect yourself. Yeah, um, it's a really good point because I know um, I heard um, something on the radio where they were talking about that exact thing, that there's a rise in STIs in older um, people who have come out of long-term relationships and aren't just sort of don't really think so much about that. Mm. When you come out, when you've been divorced, it's not sort of front of mind. No, um, it's but not. But it's something to be really aware of. Yeah. I mean, I'd much rather have herpes than, say, gonorrhea or syphilis, but they yeah. are on the rise. Um, yeah. Chlamydia is something that people can have and not even know they've got it. Mm. So if you have sex with someone even if it was protected, go and get tested afterwards, okay? If you're going to be dating and having sex with multiple partners, you need to have a testing regime. Yeah. I just can't emphasise that enough. Yeah, it's so um, important. You're quite right. And, and as you say, like it shouldn't stop you from exploring having a good time, um, but just, yeah, because yeah. everything's treatable, everything's manageable. Yeah, yeah. It's just about, you know, knowledge is power really, isn't it? Uh, exactly. You just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you've, you know, in our intro, we talked about that you've performed stand-up comedy. You've attended a sex party, a fetish party. Um, you moved your life to a new city. You've gone back to study. All of this stuff. Which one were you? Which one made you the most nervous? Oh gosh. Look, uni wasn't. I wasn't nervous about uni. It was just a natural place for me to be. I went through mm-hmm. so much growth. Lots of, um, like, I actually went through a bit of an existential crisis in uni because you learn about social theory and it really made me reassess who I am, where my values and where my belief systems originate from. Um, And it just highlighted uh, significant differences between myself and family. So... um, Sorry, I'm just laughing because I experienced the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the stand-up comedy gig was this year in May, and um, in a way, I had adrenaline, but I enjoyed it so much. 
Like I'm the sort of weirdo who does an exam and enjoys doing an exam. <laughs> okay. Do you, always, do you like the rush? Do you like the, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I like, I don't know, I, I can honestly say now I don't get any nerves. Like I'll just take the example of the um, the sex party. I'd always wanted to go to a sex party. You'd read about it. You'd see it in movies or television and go, ooh, sex party. <laughs> I'll vote for them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was introduced to the scene through uh, a gentleman that I'd met on a dating site. This is actually, I guess this is quite interesting. Now, he was a Christian, okay? Mm-hmm. His marriage ended when he was 51, 52. And he had never had a head job. Right. Which is quite tragic, really. I mean, I <laughs> look, I, I'll admit I love oral sex. I love giving fellatio head job. I absolutely love it. There's power in it and sensuality. As long as it's, um, you know, a nice, clean dick. <laughs> and, <laughs> This is probably going far too much, but pubic no, hair that is, is very health. <laughs> pubic hair is a health hazard, <laughs> hazard, I should say. Um, uh, Mum, if you're listening, you probably should just hang up now. Okay? <laughs> um, so yes, this gentleman was a Christian, and he said, "Oh, I've actually started to explore the fetish scene." Um, and oh, I can't remember the name of whether it's noob or fresh meat. So he wasn't participating. He was attending to right. watch and things like that, which is pretty much what I wanted to do as well because I'm just curious to know what's it all about. Um, you know, could I actually be submissive or dominant to somebody? I could probably be dominant, but I don't know about the submissive side. <laughs> so, um, so through that group I became friends with, another uh, Susan, and um, we ended up going. Actually, I t- took my fiancé to this initially when we first met. So he was very brave because he had never, ever, ever been to anything like that. But it was a fetish party at someone's house, very well kitted out, um, good people there. It wasn't anything like I thought. Um, they, they weren't rough. Uh, just ordinary everyday people and um, I decided bugger it I want to do that which was um, taking your clothes off standing against a pole with another person and it was Susan who stood with me and having someone behind us uh, with a rope that was on fire and whipping uh, like you know fire flogging right and oh, it was just incredible, very erotic, very erotic, and feeling the heat flick your skin. Mm. Obviously, it's dangerous, and you had to wear a really fugly beanie over your hair, so you had it. Ask about where your hair was. I definitely would have made. I would recommend shaving your legs beforehand, otherwise, you know. No need to afterwards, I'm sure. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that was an incredible experience. And, um, yeah, for my my partner and I, we we haven't gone back. 
our love making is very spiritual when we don't need that part of excitement mm. for us. I mean, it might change eventually. But how do you keep a sex life fresh and current and spontaneous for 20, 30 years? So, but we know it's there, um, but we're, we're very quite happy with what's been happening, um, exploring our orgasms together. Mm. So, And so, and, and on that relationship, you know, um, outside of the sex, how, how different is that relationship to the relationship you're in when you were married? Completely opposite end. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling I knew the answer to that question. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and out of respect for my recently part deceased hus- ex-husband, I won't probably talk about our sex life there, but it was nothing, it's just <sighs> functional. No, um, no love, no love and warmth like I have now. Mm. And, of course, you know, that's a lot to do as well, I think, with, with what we, as we get older and we know ourselves better, we know mm. what we want and we, we ask for it, mm. um, which is such an important part too. It's incredibly important. Um, so now you have an amazing business called The Spicy Boudoir mm-hmm. and we absolutely love that you've created a space to celebrate sexuality of groups that are perhaps underrepresented in more mainstream stores. Can you talk us um, talk to us about that? Yeah, sure. So for those people not familiar with the Spicy Boudoir, it's an online sexual wellness store and selling pleasure devices. And I like to focus on people over 50 and people living with a disability, which is very much where I identify myself. I'm in my mid-50s. And I live with chronic pain from osteoarthritis and use a walking stick and um, just feel that society doesn't think of people in that um, community as being sexual. Mm-hmm. And we very much are. I think, you know, we all have the ability to be sexual until the day we die. And I'm not talking about always, you know, like humping, penis and vagina. It's sexuality and sensuality can be just conversation, touch, um, you know, just self-pleasure and or solo sex. So, <clears throat> excuse me, so that was my intent was to provide an experience for those people who were neglected by other retailers and by the in society in general. Mm. Um, look, I think... You know, having been someone who um, has been divorced and is now in a new relationship that is absolutely completely different from my past relationship and I've talked to a lot of women about this idea of transformation and this sort of um, sexual revolution that, that we almost go through um, and I think it's such a it's such a beautiful thing and I'm really happy to hear people talking about it for it to start becoming more of a conversation because I do know that. Um, it's perhaps something that we might feel embarrassed about or we don't want to talk about it. It's still a taboo subject to a degree. And I think it's it's so great to open up that dialogue and really start talking about the beauty and the wonder of, you know, when you have someone that, that you can make love with and, and really enjoy it. And I think it's really fantastic. So I love what you're doing. Um, and I just absolutely have loved hearing your story Susan, it's amazing, it's been absolutely incredible, and we're really inspired by how you've 
taken life by the scruff of the neck and we're in a really good shake. Um, so we're going to finish with our fast five questions. Sure. Um, so the first one is, what is the hardest thing about divorce? Oh, I think coming to that um, crucial point of making a decision, do I stay or do I go? And then communicating and then decommissioning the relationship. Oh, that's such a good word for it. I've never thought of it like that before. That's, yeah, yeah, that's really it. Uh, who got you through your darkest days? Look, I have to say I actually did that a lot mm. through writing. Um, you know, I was keeping a journal. I was writing heaps and heaps of poems at that time. Um, but I also had a very good support network of a um, fantastic GP. I um, embraced psychology as well as a support mechanism. Mm. And, you know, I had bloody good friends as well. Yeah, and, you know, it's a really common thing that we hear um, women that we're talking to, that support network is so incredibly mm. important. Um, all right, number three is what's been your proudest moment since divorce? Oh, I think... Going through my bucket list items would be um, part of it. The um, definitely, you know, breaking those sexual boundaries and uh, stand-up comedy. Definitely, <laughs> I've, in my opening line, I said I've been doing stand-up comedy for fifteen fucking years in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, to, I'd say that's it, pretty much. Uh, what, what's been your biggest gift from divorce? Well, freeing myself from such deep, deep despair and sadness, okay? And so I live a life that's very rich and full. Um, I'm not finding rainbows every day. Like I live with anxiety and depression. A lot of that has originated from dealing with years of stress and problem solving and negotiating and all of that mm. you don't come out of something without any blemishes or you know with a mark so um i just made a decision live to be true to myself always and to not be scared of speaking up and asking and so um, developing my self-awareness has been crucial to um to who i am today and who i'll be in the future Mm. Um, and finally what advice would you give to someone going through a tough breakup have a plan okay you must have a plan ha set some goals for yourself um, work out who your support network is you're, you're going to have to do basically a stakeholder map <laughs> like approach <laughs> it as a project mm. um you must have a plan. That's as much as I can say. And investing time in you and developing. I mean, I understand that not every woman had a uh, situation like I did. I had a young teenager. I only had one child. Um, and I wasn't rolling in cash. Um, but thankfully that redundancy package just came along. And I think that was the universe, mm -hmm. you know, handed me that. Because when Dad died or when Dad was dying, I knew something wonderful was coming early in the following year. I just knew it. And then when they rang and told me while I was still with my father, you know, that we're closing down the centre and 
this is the time frame, I just went like, yes, whoopee, this is great. So, but yeah, get a plan and find out what your why is. What What is it that you want from life? What's your motivation? Mm, that's such excellent advice. Thanks again, Susan. You definitely sound like you've turned your divorce into the best thing that ever happened. Cheers to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Champagne Divorce Party. If you're going through a tough breakup and would like support from industry experts and a community of like-minded women, come over and join our divorce club at champagnecartel.com slash divorce. Catch you next time.